You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is Sunday night, just after 9 o'clock p.m. Chris Fedor and Joe Varden is back from vacation. Welcome back, buddy. I am, I am back, and I'll tell you what. Uh, it, it was, I put in, I, I would say, a human's effort to, uh, to get back in time for this podcast, the, the almighty podcast. You missed, um, you missed the Tiger Woods fireworks then? Is that accurate? No, no, no. Well, I mean, yes and no. I, I, uh, I, I missed, you know, the rallies at eight and nine, and then um, his birdie after bogeying what fourteen. Yep. Um, and then we basically sat down with, uh, with Angel, with uh, wait a minute, wait. I want to get this right. I want to get this right because the pizza that we get is so good. I want to make sure I have it right. Angelos. Antonio's. Antonio's. Okay. Yes, Antonio's. Antonio's okay. in Westlake. Uh, just, just ridiculous how good good it was. Um, and we we all sat down in front of the TV. Um, and Tiger was teeing off on seventeen. No, no. And, and yesterday, you know, I watched uh, a bit of the tournament and um, just kind of like relaxing in the condo. Uh, where we were and watching of course and he's having this brilliant round and then he just throws up all over himself on the 17th green and uh i mean you know the thing and i don't know if we've already talked about this on our on the podcast before i mean everybody knows that you're a tiger nut um, yeah and i've you know i've always been a fan as well but the thing like my my boy is getting into golf and he's eight mm-hmm. and, uh the thing I can't stress enough to him is how different and how special professional golf is when Tiger is in con- in contention on a Sunday in a major. Yeah. That there's just – and then my wife actually gets into it too, and, you know, she couldn't care otherwise. But when <laughs> Tiger is involved, she does care. And we were just trying to say, like, we don't know why – that is, um, and I saw some chatter on Twitter about this as well, just kind of like we can't figure out why it's more interesting when Tiger is, is in it, but it is, and it, it just is. And, um, you know, uh, I mean, Kepka is as good of a golfer as there is on the planet. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that, and, and that he's not who anybody's going to be talking about tomorrow morning. Right, right. I am mentally exhausted after today. Let me tell you. I I'm feel sure like <laughs> I'm prepared to care. You know, between my vacation and your devastation today, oh. I am prepared to carry this podcast. I think that's good. As soon as uh, we got done with dinner um, after Tiger's round concluded, of course, I had to go outside in the driveway and start shooting hoops because I was just, oh man, I was inconsolable at that point in time. You know, um, who was it? Was it Mark Twain who who called golf a good walk spoiled? I think that's who it was. Yeah, I think that's where Feinstein got the the, the title of his book. I think uh, that's right. And it, I was just thinking that again today, and even like, I mean, Tiger shot a sixty freaking four. He, I know. Never he he's never had that kind of around on a Sunday in a major. Period. Right. Right. Think about him. He's won fourteen of them. Yep. Uh, and so today was historic, and yet because he hit his tee shot on 17 into the strangest patch of grass you could find, yeah. um, 
it's it's all spoiled. It, second place, like he's not interested in second. Well, think about this though. He lipped out birdie putt at one, so yeah. fraction of inches on one. Um, he lipped out his par putt on the back nine, and then he had the one on eleven that hung on the hole and simply did not drop. So we're talking, I don't know, two inches from winning the tournament, basically on putts. Oh yeah, total. Uh, Two total inches. And let's not forget, I mean, he was at least – he missed his first nine fairways. Uh, You know, and I know he started to find it uh, a little bit towards the the end there on on 15. um, He got – he obviously got one in and then on 18. But, I mean, he fought his driver all day. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, it was supposed to be basketball, but, I mean, we can talk about this (laughs) I'm just pumped that I can wear my red and black on Sunday again, and I've been consistent with that pretty much the entire summer. So that makes me happy. So we're we're good with this, right? Like we we're we now we're of the opinion that he is um, that that he's back. Well, I mean, I th- I think we have to define back, right? Like everybody says he's back, but I feel like that's such a vague term. It's kind of like MVP, right? Nobody knows what the definition of MVP is, so everybody goes by their own voting standards. Like, when you say Tiger Woods is back, like, I I don't know what that truly means. Is he the best golfer on the planet anymore? No. But can he compete for majors? I think he has proven that this year. This year was, like, it was a huge question mark for him and what he was going to be able to do this year. And for him to be top 10 in two majors and runner-up in one of them, I would say that is unbelievably remarkable, considering he's had four back surgeries, his spine is fused together, um, and he was fighting all of the rust that he was fighting at the beginning of the year. So I, I don't know if he's back necessarily, Joe, but I think he's going to contend in tournaments and he's going to contend in majors. Um, and as long as he stays healthy, I think his game is going to continue to get better because he can practice more often. Yeah, that's right. I mean, cause right. If, if we're talking about back, um, he, he's not going to be that player who, when he walks out there, everybody else just wilts. Right. Um, I mean, hell, you know, the, the, the gallery was there today. The, the tiger roar was there. The pressure was on. Right. And Kepka couldn't have cared less. Right. Um, and and so so you know I, I think between Kepka, uh, you know Justin Thomas was was hit and miss today. I I, I almost I kind of wonder if if the roar did get to him a little. Mm-hmm. But 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 I think overall I think the other guys um, the young guns are so good, and uh, that they're not going to be intimidated by Tiger. So in yeah. that respect, you're right. He he's not he like that. We'll never see that again. But but now I mean I I've got to think he's going to win one, I think I mean he's only he'll be forty two next season so I think he can. Um, I think he can too. Uh, he put on a heck of a putting display today. He's got to figure out the driver though because like if you look at the guys who continue to win these tournaments, it's long and straight, um, and then really good putters, um, and it's very very difficult to win majors from the rough even if it's a wide open uh, course, like a British open type setup, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you put so much pressure on the other facets of your game. If you continue to play from the rough because you can't control your tee shot. And he's going to be 43 next year, by the way, he's 43 in December. So he's 42 now. Yeah. He's 42 now. Yeah. I thought he was 41. All right. Well, still at 43, I don't think that's too old. Um, I, 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 I have a hard time seeing him winning a U.S. Open. Mm, I think I, that's probably accurate. I don't, I don't think it's there. Um, you know, the Masters, it just depends. I mean, he's won – how many has he won there? Four, three? Yeah, but he hasn't won in a long, long time at Augusta since they kind of changed the course around on him. Yeah, I, I, I would say for him that his two best chances are always going to be the British because of that two iron. Yeah. Um, and then these tournaments. Yeah, uh, the PGA. Yeah, and, and, and that'd be great. I mean, just to get one more um, w- would be awesome. And, and you know, the, the thing that just the other guys have to be careful of, you know, I, I think there was already some resentment that, um, that Tiger was the story today, even though he didn't win. 
And, and these guys need to be careful about that because they're going to see their purses rise and their oh, yeah. get better the longer that Tiger is relevant. Um, and, 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 you know, they think they've got it good now, but wait until they see how many people care about golf when, right. Tiger, when Tiger's in it. And, and it's better for them if he's around. So, so, again, like, I don't know if he's back back, but, but here's the thing. He was 1,199 in the world golf ranking in December 2017. He is top 50 now, and it's August. So think about the climb that he has made from December of last year to August of this year. And he has changed the conversation, Joe, from, you know, can this guy even make cuts in majors to here he is on Sunday, either with a lead on Sunday or in contention on Sunday. I think that shows you how far he's come um, and, and how he has changed the narrative around him with his play. Well, it's good. It's good for you. <laughs> good for me. Yeah, good for all. Good for it, is, it is good for me because I'm in a much better mood when he plays well on Sundays at a major. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> right. Of course, after you, you've gotten used to him not playing at all. I, mean, I know. I'm, I'm just trying to savor it as long as I can. You know what I mean? That's right. It's kind of like what Cavs fans had to do uh, this past year with LeBron, knowing that it could have potentially been his final year with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it turned out that it was. Yeah. And the, and the new schedule reflects that. How's that for a for – <laughs> Look, that's your segue. So you take over from there, buddy. I didn't even have to set you up with that one. Well, you know, uh, as we've kind of hinted at, uh, I was gone this past week uh, convalescing on a beach. Yep. Um, in, which left you to do a bunch of the work, and uh, and there, the NBA had like 17 schedule releases this week. Uh, and on Friday, we finally got to the meat and potatoes, the the full schedule uh, of all 30 teams. And um, my takeaway uh, in looking at the schedule, you know, that kind of what I do as soon as I get it. Um, whether I'm writing the story or not, uh, is I, I study the schedule. I look for so many different things. Uh, I learn the schedule very quickly because I start booking hotels, that kind of stuff. Um, mm. But the thing, Chris, that, that I just couldn't shake um, in, in, in looking at it on Friday was that this is the schedule of a team no one cares about. Mm. Um, and, and I think – the 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 thing you know you you can you can obviously talk about the uh, the the national TV appearances of, I think seven when you count the NBA TV which I didn't even used to count that uh, right right I would do this and they would the Cavs would still be up in the thirties um, and now you know the the <laughs> now we're counting NBA TV because if it wasn't for that then the the number would be two mm-hmm. um, playing the Warriors. In uh, in Oakland on the second night of a back to back in April, on the third to last game of the year, it oh. just it just shakes me to my core. Like just from the standpoint of like, this is how far this team has fallen. Um, Joe, it's the last road game of the year. It's the last road game of the year. It's like, unbelievable to think about. Like I can't, I I just can't even, I can't fathom it. The the home opener. I mean, we're talking about the Eastern Conference champs. Right, they're opening at at their their third game of the year is at home. It's on a Sunday, right? Uh, like it's I have clock at night. Like I haven't even checked. I mean, I guess we can I can check while we're talking. Like, what are the Browns doing that day? Yeah, like I I, I hope they get uh, twenty thousand uh, five sixty two for that one. Um, but I I don't know. Like I, I'm not sure. Right. Uh, and so, you know, so you start off with that, um, and then like, you know, forever, uh, when the, when LeBron was on the Cavs, um, what they would do is, uh, you'd play the Lakers and the Clippers over this like extended stay in LA. So everybody can sink their teeth into it, uh, from a, a national TV's perspective. And now, um, two different trips to LA, and one of them is is uh, all, I think it's on that same trip with the Warriors. Um, so there's that. Uh, let's see. Okay, so in, uh, October 21st. Uh, okay, at least the Browns are on the road that day. So oh, that's good. Um, so that's nice. That that was nice of, of the NBA to do that. But <laughs> but yeah, um, that that was just you know that that was it. Um, 
you know, TN, the, the Cavs aren't on TNT at all. Right. Um, that's, that's weird. Um, I, I just, I don't know, like the very few Sunday games, um, all the times, start times are, are manageable uh, just, you know, because they're not playing it. Um, they have, I, I'm looking, they have like an eight o'clock game against the heat on the road in March for some reason. Um, and, uh, you know, otherwise, like, I don't see any strange start times like that. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean, this is just, this is the schedule of a team that nobody is really clamoring. And they're obviously not part of opening week for the national TV stuff. We talked about that. Um, they did get a Martin Luther King Jr. Day game, but it's not part of the big NBA triple header that day. It's hours before that triple header even starts, a one o'clock game. They obviously aren't anything close to Christmas. In fact, they might be spending Christmas in Memphis because they play against Memphis the day after on the road in Memphis. And it's just like looking through it, it it kind of puzzles me. Like, I get it. They lost LeBron and people don't have high expectations for how good they can be. And there aren't a lot of people, Joe, that think that they can be a playoff team. But there are a lot of storylines with the team, at least at the beginning of the season. And usually that's what the NBA looks for. They look for either stars, um, big-time marquee matchups, or storylines. And I feel like there are some storylines with this team uh, that's going to make them somewhat interesting, if if nothing else. Yeah. I I just – I'm a little little puzzled. I mean – you know, neither neither of us is is sitting here saying like, oh, like where's the respect the Cavs should be, should be aired like a, uh, a a team that's been to four straight finals. Like, I, I don't think we're saying that. I, I think everyone understands that that interest is is no longer national because LeBron's not here, um, and and so that's that's what it is. But you know, I mean, they they do have an All Star, um, and they they do play in the East. Um, you know, I. I consider them to have a, a, a chance to, to, to make the back end of the playoffs there. And, and I think you're totally right that, that especially in the first two months of the year, this is a storyline league. Um, December 5th is a Wednesday. Uh, the Warriors are in Cleveland. I'm, I'm shocked that ESPN didn't pick that one up mm-hmm. um, as a chance to show the Warriors. Um, that's, that is strange to me, uh, certainly. Um, you know, I, I just uh, – I, I, don't, I don't get it. Um, you have you to know. explain the other national TV game. The other ESPN game that they got besides LeBron's return to Cleveland is the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> yeah. Like, what in the world is that about? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, during Summer League, the Cavs thought that they would be on national TV about six times. Um, okay. But I don't know – if they were counting NBA TV with that, um, I, I just, I, like, I, I don't know. You, you might know more about like just uh, cable TV and, and who's on what more than me. Um, I, I've always looked at NBA TV as not really counting in this because I don't think that they're in all the homes. Whereas right. if you're on ESPN or TNT, you are. So yeah. that's why I don't count it, but maybe, I don't know, maybe t- uh, the NBA TV is, is out there enough now that, that they should count. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, was, what was the thing that, that the Pacers weren't on, weren't on national TV at all last year? I think that's probably right. Um, but again, you know, I don't know if, the, I don't know if that included NBA TV or not. Um, yeah. But there's something that I'm, that we're getting at uh, for an, another segue. Um you know, we want to talk about, about Vegas and, and, and expectations. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, the NBA thinks the Cavs are going to suck. Uh, they, they told us as much with their, with their schedule. And, yep. and the, the networks have told us they think the Cavs are going to suck. Um, and Vegas thinks that way, too. And, and we'll get to that in a minute. You have those. Um, but I, I asked uh, one of the Vegas guys for their um, over-under uh, – predictions from this time last year um and they had the pacers at 31 and a half Mm. as we know that what the pacers won what 50 or 49 
Uh, let me pull it up right now. Well, whatever it was, the Pacers uh, overshot that by either 48. Okay, 48. So they they were, um, you know, 16 and a half better than their over-under. Yep. Uh, they, they were the fifth seed in the playoffs. They took the Cavs to seven games. Um, they were left for dead by trading Paul George. Um, no one thought they would be good at all. Vegas thought they would suck. The networks thought they would suck. The NBA thought they would suck. And uh, we see what happened there. So um, that doesn't mean that the Cavs are going to be uh, the next Pacers. But it's like these all this all this stuff that you're seeing now. It's all negative uh, about the Cavs, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way. Um, they can be better than this. They they can be better than what the schedule or schedule makers think, what Vegas thinks. Um, and I think you know. For me, that that's that is the I guess the exciting part now as we start to get closer to training camp is just this idea of well, how good can they be? Um, yep. I mean, we'll get into it more as we get closer, or maybe even tonight. Um, I just I, I I think they can be better than this. Yeah, I was going to ask you the next question. I was going to ask you: Do you think they deserve more respect than they're getting? I I, I think a little. Um, I I just think that. Um, I think that, that that the story last year, um, more so nationally than locally, although it was also told very much on a local level as well. Right. Um, that it was just it was LeBron and no one else. Yep. Um, and and in the losses, that was true. Um, LeBron was basically exemplary throughout the entire playoffs. I don't mm-hmm. think you can argue that. Um, and, and on the nights when they lost, um, there was some pretty bad, pretty, some pretty bad stuff from Jr. from Corver, from George Hill, um, Rodney and, and Clarkson were pretty bad, uh, real bad actually most of the, most of the time. Um, so that was disappointing, but they also had some, some really good, uh, secondary efforts in the wins and, and they did get to the finals and yeah, LeBron had a ridiculous amount to do that, do with that. But I just, I, I just think that um, almost like if you can take this team, like if you can take last year out of the guys that are here now, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think the, I think people would, would, would give the Cavs maybe more credit than what they're getting because so many players on this team struggled on the nights uh, in the playoffs where the Cavs lost. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I don't mean to make excuses for that. I, I think they had some, I think they played poorly uh, at times. I really do. But I, I think it was hard for th- that team um, to play at times just because of how they were set up and the pressure um, of making sure LeBron got to a finals and kind of how everything ran through LeBron, LeBron and, and it was harder for some of the guys to kind of find their rhythm. Um, and so, you know, I don't think they're going to go out there and win 50 this year. Uh, but, but I think they, I think they have better players and they're getting credit for it. I agree with that. I, I think there are a couple of things, Joe. I think so many people um, over the 40 years when LeBron was here, they always like to point out the Cavs' record without LeBron. When he was resting, when he was hurt for many stretches. Um, and, and they would say, you know, this goes to show how important LeBron is. There is no arguing LeBron's importance at all. Like, he, he dictates sure. terms throughout the course of a game um, in a way that nobody else does. At the same time, like, part of the reason why they were so bad on those non-LeBron nights is because they had no system to go to, right? Like their whole system was LeBron-centric. So if you take LeBron out of that and in a one-game scenario say, okay, now we've got to play without this guy, or for a week, okay, now we've got to play without this guy, you're not going to implement a whole new system during that time offensively and defensively that's going to make you survive for that stretch of games. You're just going to keep playing the way that you always played. And without LeBron, it was very, very difficult for the Cavs to run and be efficient on offense uh, the way that they were with him because he was the system. So now they're going to have a system. Offensively and defensively, they're going to have an actual system. It's not going to revolve around one player. 
So I think that's going to help them. And I think the other thing is, Joe, I'm looking at some of these other Eastern Conference teams, right? The New York Knicks, with Kristaps Porzingis being hurt at the beginning of the season, they don't have a player as good as Kevin Love. You know, the Miami Heat, they don't even have a player as good as Kevin Love. So I think Kevin is going to help stabilize them in a way that that other teams struggle with because they don't have that guy who can be the clear focal point of an offense. When you absolutely need to have something, you have somebody to go to. Right. Um, and I think when you have that kind of player, um, he makes it easier for Rodney Hood. He makes it easier for Kyle Korver. He makes it easier for George Hill and Colin Sexton and some of those other guys. And they're not going to have as much pressure on them. One, because there aren't many expectations. And two, because Kevin is going to shoulder a big bulk of that. And I think that's going to help the other um, supporting cast players uh, maybe perform at a level a little bit above what people expect of them. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I guess um, you did hit on something that, that is probably the most concerned. Who's going to support this team late uh, and, and down the stretch? Um, Cavs last four years have had two best closers in the game. Um, three, I guess, if you count the month that, that, um, that Isaiah Thomas was here, mm. uh, just because his, his statistics as a closer are good. But, but so now, um, you know, I, I don't know that Kevin's game is, is geared that way. So is it going, I mean, I don't think you would, I don't think you would say that it's going to be Jetty. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to be Jetty. <laughs> I, I don't know, is it George Hill? Um, is it Corver? If he's still here, if he's not traded, so 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 that that is concerning. But but yeah, um, right. Like the the Knicks, the Heat, the Hornets. Um, I mean the the Wizards that they have right. They they have two top line players. There's no doubt about that. But I mean they barely made the playoffs. Right. Uh, as an eight seed. I mean, so yeah. So, so I, I, I think, uh, I think that we're in an agreement that a little bit, uh, less respect probably than they should be getting. 31 and a half is the over under your initial impression of them setting it at that. Well, I, 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 I don't know how these things work. Um, but if you, if you consider the production value of LeBron, um, I don't have his numbers in front of me, so I don't know like when wins over replacement. Um, I don't know those kinds of things, but I do know that he was nearly 28 points um, and then, you know, nine rebounds, nine assists, uh, leading scorer by far, leading assist man by far and second, I think, in rebounding. Um, and then you take that guy off the team. Mm-hmm. And you didn't replace him with anybody, even remotely. Forget about remote. Like you didn't, you didn't replace him with an all star. You didn't replace him with a guy who can be an all star. Um, I mean, basically, you know, Jetty is a, had a nice summer league, and that's that's what you got. Um, right. So, so I I I can see it. I, I can see it, um, but I I think that Vegas like that you want to try to do this. You want to try to use the same formula. Like you kind of want to stick to the same rules when you do this. And and so Vegas can't see something like Jetty actually being a lot closer to being ready than mm-hmm. than, than you would think. Or Vegas can never see like Oladipo um, coming into his own that quickly and on down the line. So. You know, Rodney Hood's another one. Um, if he plays like the old Rodney Hood, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's different too. So, so I get it. Um, I, I think I would take the over. I would take the over too. And I know that basketball is not a math formula, right? So you can't look at what some team did last year and say, well, we're going to compare it to what a team could potentially do this year. It's not A squared plus B squared equals C squared or anything along those lines. But um, just in general, I I feel like if we look at what what teams did last year, the Knicks won 29 games last year, and Porzingis missed almost half the season. 
the Brooklyn Nets won 28 games. And I think everybody in Cleveland that was paying attention to the Nets last year because they were monitoring that Brooklyn Nets pick, they could see how much of a trash roster that was. I mean, are you kidding me? You look up and down that roster and you're like, how in the world does that team win 28 games? And I know system plays into it. And I know scheduling plays into it. And maybe teams take them for granted. Um, Coaching plays into it. Like all that stuff is going to matter. And it's going to matter for the Cavs this upcoming year as well and what they do in a win total. But, But I think the Cavs of this year with the roster that they have are better than the Nets of last year. I think they're better than the Knicks of last year. I think they're very close to the Charlotte Hornets of last year. If those teams can win between 29 and 36 games, I absolutely think the Cavs fighting for that eighth spot right around 39-40 wins. I, I think that's possible for this group. Unless they, unless they completely tear apart the roster um, because they get off to a really, really slow start and they say, all right, Kevin, now we can trade you. It's past January, so you're going to go. Kyle Korver, you're going to go. J.R. Smith, you're going to go. Tristan Thompson, you're going to go. And we're only going to take back like young up-and-coming players or draft picks or something like that. Unless they go that direction, I think this roster is better than what a lot of people are giving it credit for. And I think it's better than a lot of teams that got close to that win total last year. Yeah, I mean, and I just think um, – I think that that's true. And and if that holds, Chris, like if this if this team finds a way to win – somewhere between 35 and 43 games. I, I think the love affair with, with the city would be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm not even necessarily suggesting that it's gone um, just because the national interest is gone. But, but I, think, I think this town would really rally around a team um, that loses LeBron and, and, and tried to stay competitive. I mean, we do have to keep in mind, Two previous teams lost him, and neither of them made the playoffs. Right. So it would be history uh, if right. the Cavs won 42 and, and made it, um, certainly. Yeah, uh, and health is going to play into it, too. I mean, Kevin Love is injury-prone. Uh, George Hill, he's been dealing with injuries, and he's on the wrong side of 30. So that's going to play into it. They're not nearly um, as deep as they've been in the past to sustain something like that if it does go that way. That, that, that's right. That's right. But, but even just, just to, to have, a, have a chance, I think, I, think, I think Cleveland would really appreciate that. All right. So they've added Channing Frye. Uh, they've added Colin Sexton in the draft, eighth overall pick. Um, they have an agreement in place with David Nawaba. It's not official at this point yet. Um, Sam Decker was brought here from the Los Angeles Clippers. I think those are the main additions, right? I don't think I left anybody off that list. I think that's it. Oh, Isaiah Taylor. Uh, he was invited to training camp. He's going to compete for the third point guard spot. Who do you think is going to be the most impactful addition for this team? Well, I, I mean, it would, it's got to be Colin Sexton. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think it's I think it's certainly going to be Colin. Um, you know. Decker, as of now, I mean, it's it's kind of crowded, you know, in that kind of three four range, and and certainly mm-hmm. uh, with Maba, um, I think that he's going to try to get a look there as well. Uh, so so right, I mean, at, at this point, I think that you're you're looking and, and hoping for uh, Colin Sexton to have a have a great year. And you know, going back to something that you brought up earlier about late game situations. Um, his game might not be polished enough to be that guy in end-of-game situations, Joe. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to want those opportunities. And that's something that he showed in Summer League. And I know it was just Summer League, and it's not going to translate to the regular season. But his willingness to take that defensive challenge late in the game against Josh Hart, right? His willingness to go back down the other way and have no fear of hoisting that three-pointer or attacking the basket. He's fearless. He's really, really competitive, and I think he wants to be the guy with the ball in his hands in big moments. Are the Cavs going to give him an opportunity to do that? Is his game polished enough to do that? Probably not, given some of the other options that they may have. Um, But I think he's going to want those moments, and I think having a guy like that um, maybe towards the end of the year, uh, he could maybe possibly step into that particular role that you were talking about. 
Oh, that would be great if if that would be great if if that was how he developed this year. You brought up Isaiah Thomas. The other thing that happened, um, it happened yesterday. He went on Instagram Live, uh, and he called Cleveland a bleep hole. Wait, we can swear on this podcast, right? I think we can say this word. Okay, we can probably say this word because it's it's the crux of this this story. He called Cleveland a shithole, and he said, I can understand why LeBron James left again. That was a shitty thing to say. And then, of course, he apologized, but obviously he meant it. Yeah, I... I... An apology doesn't take that away. You can't be, you can't be saying something like that in an, in an honest moment when you're going through like all the other teams that you've played with throughout the course of your career. And that's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Cleveland and the situation that you were in with the Cavs and how difficult you think it was on you. And then like 10 minutes later or 15 minutes later, because somebody picked up on it, Bleacher Report picked up on it, say, oh, I got caught, so now I'm going to apologize for it. No, I don't buy it. He meant that. I truly no. believe he meant that. Yeah, and it's just, um, I mean, obviously we know that that's not true, uh, that um, the that Cleveland is not that. Uh, And, and, um, you know, he, I mean, Isaiah Thomas failed in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. He failed here. Um, You know, I'm just looking at some of the stuff here. Uh, The Cavs were seven and 10 uh, with Isaiah on the floor. Um, He shot career worse from the field, 361 and three point range, shot 25 from three. Oh my God, Um, those numbers. Um, the Cavs were outscored by an average of 15.1 points per 100 possess- possessions with him on the court. Um, so, I mean, he was awful here, horrendous. Yep. Uh, and the Cavs were terrible. The Cavs couldn't win with him. Um, they were getting run off the court with him, with him out here. I mean, they, were blown- they lost by 18 to Orlando. Um, uh, in his last loss with the Cavs. I mean, he was here for the blowouts against um, the Thunder and the Rockets and on and on. And it was just, you know, it, it just didn't work. And, and maybe he was still hurt. Um, you know, he, he, he couldn't, he just, he couldn't adjust to all the pressure he was facing um, to earn money uh, this, this year uh, in the off season. And he just kind of hurt all of that. Um, he ended up having to have surgery again. Um, and so, you know, I can see, I mean, he certainly wouldn't look back on his month in Cleveland fondly. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, like, listen, like the next time he says something about Trump, um, if Isaiah tries to mouth off about Trump, um, which, you know, (laughs) there's, there's certainly LeBron says stuff all, all kinds of, uh, you know, all the time about him and, and, you know, people like that, but, but. I mean, Isaiah Thomas just used the Trump word. Um, you know, people went crazy when, when Trump called, um, I, I think, uh, I can't remember if it was African nations or if it was, uh, if he was talking about um, Caribbean or, or like just kind of third world countries, but he, he called him, called him a shithole. Mm. Uh, and, and Isaiah used the same word about Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So I guess Isaiah wants to be like Trump. I guess that's what he wants to do. Before we get into questions, um, anything else you want to get off your chest because you were on vacation for about a week and a lot of stuff around the NBA happened? Uh, off my chest, no. Um, okay. you, you know, uh, Jordan Clarkson, who was going to be a captain for the, Philipp- the Filipinos and now he's not going to be able to play in the Asian games, um, he, he, he could develop into a, cl- into a guy that you want the ball in his hands late in the game. Um, we don't, we didn't talk about him, but, but he's a guy, um, like I, I could see a scenario with him or maybe even him and Corver on the, the court if Kyle is not traded. So that's one guy to, uh, to keep in mind. Um, otherwise, uh, assuming that Rodney Hood shows up and assuming no one else is traded, that would mean that they've got one spot left. Um, at least one guaranteed spot left, you know, Isaiah Taylor could make the team and then that would be that. Um, again, that's if they don't trade a- anyone else. 
Um, oh yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, th- there, there was one thing that that did catch my catch my eye. Please tell me um, it's not the Tristan Thompson Draymond Green altercation. No, it okay. is not. Good. Okay. It, it is not that. Um, the the thing that caught my eye was um, the other day on Instagram, LeBron had a message. And it said um, that that Luke Walton says that he that he meaning LeBron needs to play more of the five, and so LeBron superimposed like like giant huge arms on on the picture of himself shooting free throws in a Laker jersey, and uh, at the bottom he said it's it's like he's laughing and he says like okay coach or okay whatever coach or something like that, and and it's funny because like. Everybody in La La Land thinks this is a joke, um, and it's it's not. Uh, I mean, this is LeBron. You know, we we've seen him do it time and again here in Cleveland. This is like LeBron taking a suggestion from a coach or an organization and just basically saying, like, kind of rolling his eyes at it. Mm. Um, you know, I think LeBron is okay playing more of the four. Uh, and playing more on the block and, and certainly not playing the point as much. Um, but, I mean, I don't think that he's thinking about playing center. Hmm. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I, I just – I would keep an eye on this, Laker fans. Um, this this is – you know, we'll see how this goes. We'll, we'll see if LeBron is willing – is a willing participant in this and uh, or, if, or if he is um, kind of bucking it, you know, bucking it at what you know Walton and maybe the front office wants to do I mean keep in mind obviously it's they're different pedigrees um but when David Blatt and LeBron got together here Blatt put in his offense throughout the entire training camp and Uh and you know players like Mike Miller were talking about how the the offense was genius and they never like it and LeBron LeBron just totally just threw a wrench into it and said we're not running Yep, not doing it. So, so yeah, you know, the Instagram thing is cute. LeBron's great. Everybody, everybody loves him. It's great. But just keep an eye on this um, because it's not necessarily a joke. That's interesting. I didn't even look at it that way. But the more and more you talked about it and given LeBron's history and given how he's passive aggressive when it comes to those things like that, he doesn't want to come across as a bad guy, but he also – there's a reason for the things that he tweets and there's a reason for the things that he puts on Snapchat and Instagram. The more and more you talked about it, Joe, I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. I could absolutely see that being the case. Yep. So keep an eye on it, folks. And he doesn't love playing the four. So right. if he doesn't love playing the four. I don't know if he would love playing the five. That's <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right. Before we get into the questions, we've got a bunch of them that came in on Twitter last night and earlier today. First, a message here. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, and rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table, and they are forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals. So donate today by visiting harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. Welcome back. It's the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. On a Sunday night, Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. You ready for questions? I am. All right. Uh, Some of these are duplicates. Seems like we talk about these these situations all the time on this podcast. But uh, let's see. Sexton says, are the Cavs still trying to trade J.R. Smith and Kyle Corp? I, I don't think that they are every day picking up the phone looking for a suitor. Um, but, you know, they, I mean, they, they've told both players to be ready to come to camp. Um, they wanted both players to buy into this idea of, of trying to remain competitive. Um, but they obviously have tons of players at that position um, and would – trade uh would would trade them both in the right situation um but i really think there's no need to trade kyle korber until someone's offering a first round pick to go along with whatever else yep i agree um the other thing that i would say it could emphasis on could you never know in the nba and you never know with this team 
Um, but it could be quiet here in the next week or two for the Cavs because a prominent member of the front office is getting married soon. Well, there you go. Are the terms of the Nawaba deal dependent on what Rodney Hood gets from the Cavs, maybe so that the Cavs don't get pushed into the luxury tax? It seems weird that no terms have been disclosed yet for Nawaba. Um, it, it is weird. And, and uh, you know, I think that they're at about 100 – I think they're in the ballpark of 109 million right now, and so yeah, I, I think that that I think that I think that is a reasonable explanation for it. Um, the the thing, the I guess the issue is is the Cavs can't really the Cavs can't force Rodney Hood to do anything at this point um, because they've already offered they've already extended the qualifying offer. And now it's up to Rodney to either accept that or to try to negotiate a better deal with the Cavs because um, all of his others, you know, there's re- there really aren't any other suitors. So I, I can see that I can see that being a plausible explanation. Yes, for all this, I, I agree that it is strange that you'd have an agreement on two sides for um, a player to come to a team in the case of Nwaba without years or money uh, being attached to it yet. From Stop Disrespecting Kevin Love on Twitter. What's it going to take for Teron Liu and Kevin Love to get some proper respect around here? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Uh, Win some games. Yeah, win without LeBron. That would go a long way. That would change uh, the perception about Ty Liu significantly. Quickly. Um, All right, moving on. This one comes from uh, Chetty Vadova. Some of these Twitter handles are awesome. I like it. Uh, The question, verbatim, Joe, is does Jetty start or is he just an all-star reserve this year? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I do think he starts, so we'll take that part of it. Oh, interesting. Huh. At the three? I'm not sold yet on Colin. Uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah, I I was wondering about that myself. Yeah, I, I could see Hill, Jetty, and Rodney out there. Yeah, I could too. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that with Colin Sexton because I think like, they don't make moves based on how people are going to react, but imagine the conversations when the centerpiece of the Kyrie Irving trade, the guy that the Cavs hung on to for so long through the trade deadline and made the pick, Colin Sexton, eighth overall pick, team without LeBron James, not a lot of expectations to be a playoff team. And that guy has to come off the bench. Um, I think well, they'd have a hard time explaining that, don't you? Right, and plus the groom to be uh, already said um, the moment they drafted Colin that that he thought of him as a starter. So right, right. Well, there's uh, that. I just uh, you know, Jetty's older uh, considerably, uh, with way more professional experience, um, and he also he looked. They both looked really good at, at summer league, so um, it, it, it will be a fascinating discussion. I think you're right. Okay. Uh, the last question. We'll end it with this one. Uh, Michael wants to know: Do you think there's any truth to the rumor of the potential deal that would send Hassan Whiteside to Cleveland in exchange for Tristan Thompson and Kyle Korver to the Miami Heat? I just don't see that um, without without a pick. Right. Uh, it's just I can't stress this enough. There is no reason to trade Kyle Korver without a first round pick right just you just can't I saw that the other day too um I rolled my eyes at it uh I just while we're on the phone here if I can this is great uh great podcasting here um I'm trying to open up the salaries because I do want to look at Whiteside it's bad it's 51 million over the next two years um Okay, so you already have that. Uh, 24.4 this year, 27 next year. And it's a – that is a what? That is a player option. I don't think it's an anything option. No, I mean, it's – According to Hoops Hype, it's a nothing option. It's not player option. It's not team option. Hmm. It's locked in. You might have other information that's better, though, than Hoops Hype. Yeah, this looks like an option, but – um, I, it's a lot of money for a dude who 
who doesn't really have a huge place in today's NBA. Let me say that much. And I just don't – I don't know that they – like, why would the Heat do that? Like, I think, well, they're trying to get rid of his salary by any means necessary. They've been trying. Do you know that they have the most salary committed in terms of payroll in the 2018-19 season, the Miami Heat? $152 million. That is amazing. That's insane. So I think that would be their motivation. Can we please move this kind of contract away? Yeah. Um, for something, anything that gives us some kind of salary cap relief. Yeah. Um, right. I, I mean, I, I have not heard uh, about this deal from anybody. Um, I did see that last night or the, or the couple nights ago, maybe. And then um, I noticed that, that uh, no one among our, our national uh, friends who, who like to, uh, who, who report these kinds of things ahead of time, none of them have it. So, um, I don't consider it to be too I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's real. And I don't know why the Cavs would want him. I know he's a good rebounder and he's a good shot blocker and maybe he would help the Cavs defensively and it seems like they're making more of an emphasis on defense or they're going to this upcoming season after being so offensive minded over the last 4 years but like I said that's a high priced guy um that doesn't really have a huge place in today's NBA. Like look at the market for centers nowadays. It's just not there. You're looking for wings. You're looking for shooters. You're looking for playmakers. And he is none of the above. Obviously it would move the Cavs away from Tristan Thompson, get his salary off the books, but you're taking back a worse salary than even Tristan's. So I I don't know. It doesn't make a ton of sense from my standpoint. It really doesn't. Um, it, it, it really doesn't. I, I just – I don't think – unless the Heat have a – I mean, let me see what they have pick-wise. Maybe you're looking at that already too. Uh, yeah, I was trying to pull that up. Let's see. The Heat do have a 2019 first-round pick. So, if they want to send along that first-round pick, um, then I think that would make, make it more appealing for the Cavs. Yeah, and I think you're looking at it right. Every team has something that they're looking for in specific trades, you know, when Indiana made the trade with Oklahoma city, they had things that they were specifically looking for. And as much as people wanted to rail on them, it seemed like they got the components that they wanted for the Cavs. I think it's fair to say that they, they have attached what they want as a first round pick to Kyle Korver. Correct. Yeah. And and let me actually, let me ask you this, Chris, Um, the heat did not make its pick in 2018. Uh, oh. pick, the pick went to the sun. So actually I believe um, Miami has to make its pick in 19. Interesting. So, I mean, I believe that's correct. That is correct. If they didn't pick this year and I didn't realize that they didn't pick this year, but I, that makes sense because Phoenix had so many picks in the first round, they had to get it from somewhere. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, unless I'm missing something, uh, I think, yeah. I, yeah. So, but hey, All right, buddy. Well, I'm just getting back from vacation, so come on. <laughs> you, you were fantastic, despite that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, that's about it. That's all okay. the time we have, and that's all the questions that we have. So, pretty easy one this time around. We'll do it again soon. That's for all sure. Right. Looking forward to it.